Buffs Nation. What is going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. How are you out there? How's the morale? How, how's morale with you? Are you okay? Are you getting ready for the UCLA game? It depends who you ask. It's all over the board. I'm Tyler Walgie. He's Jared All. Uh, Jared, where is your morale at? How are you feeling about the season? Uh, my current morale is is okay. I have separated myself from the morale that I had about midday well, you Saturday. You don't separate yourself from the morale. It just gets better or worse. No, it's always there. No, I had to like draw a line, move past it, because mm. I was going to go down a deep, dark path if I let that continue through the week. So. But, but my question is, how come? Our, our, our expectations should be set. We know what this CU team is. So when they lose, what was it, 49-7? Okay. Why do you get that Tyler, upset? Tyler, flipping back to our conversation last week on the show and outside of the show is, I was holding out a little bit of optimism after that Air Force game. Bad weather conditions. Air Force is a great team. Sure. What did I tell you? They're going to be a tenor 11 win team and then they go lose to wyoming <laughs> yeah okay i'm just like i could not yeah, find that, that doesn't make the buffs look good <laughs> uh but you're right i mean after tcu it's like okay they ran the two quarterback system maybe there's something missing there let's give jt the full game jt gets the full game oh well you know what it was raining a lot horrible conditions maybe we'll see during minnesota so the best solution is run them out there every <laughs> other drive right guys i mean that's what we saw in this game right it's pretty much every other drive the quarterbacks were switching nobody ever got any continuity it, it, it's a joke. I mean, honestly, that's okay, about the, be- easy, the, the best easy. way I can we'll, put it. We'll break down that game, break down the season so far, preview next week's matchup against UCLA, do all of that on today's show. Uh, Producer Ryan, what's going on? You were uh, out last week. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Good. Feeling better. Had had the COVID. Almost made it three years without getting it. Had and, the vid. Uh, oh, that was your first time. Yeah. I was, so cherry, I was, huh? I was, I was the last pillar to fall. So Yes. And... Uh, and uh, now he's back. You're ready. I'm You're back. Ready and uh, uh, yeah, having COVID and watching this football team, not 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 great. I, I talk actually, about kicking a man while he's down. Ryan gave me COVID. <laughs> Ryan was ground zero. If you live in the Centennial, I apologize. Uh, South Denver area, there's a chance that Ryan that Ryan gave it to you last <laughs> week. The super spreader, super spreader Smith over here. <laughs> but uh, I was watching the Buffs game with uh, no, because actually that would have been the Air Force. That would have been the Air Force I was watching game. with yeah. COVID. And I was trying not to yell at the screen, right? I was I was doing my best because when you have COVID, you're just like I was trying to keep my uh, my my energy level down, just watch stuff. It was tough watching yeah. the buffs. I mean that that'll get you going enough right there. So let's just start off with all of our feelings so far up to this point in the season. Now, just for for, uh, for new listeners, for those who've been you know listening for a while, uh, we usually have a format with the show. The format is very simple. It's break down the last week's game. You know, what What did we see? Expectations versus what we saw on the field. Are we okay? You know, takeaways. And then our thoughts on the team in general for five, ten minutes. And then we would preview the upcoming game, right? That's that's sort of what we've been doing for the last couple of seasons on this show. This is a different year, okay? That That's not applicable because... It, 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 I mean, CU is so far behind right now. I don't think it's worth it to us or the audience to sit and uh, break down UCLA's offensive line against CU's defensive line and how those receivers match up with CU's defensive backs. And well, the quarterback, you got to watch Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think we're past that. I think we're to the point of everyone right now in in the in, in Buffs Nation, right? All these fans in Colorado and outside of Colorado who like this team. It's just so far away from that. So we're going to spend today's show kind of how we did last week's show. Just kind of venting. It's a therapy session for us. It's what we think of this program, this team, this coaching staff, and where things can go from here. Because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we are pretty much at the lowest that we've been since I've been 
watching, going to games the last uh, 30 plus years. We've we've had the meter sort of at the Embry era, right? That's kind of been the bar where it's like just... The John Embry era. Yeah, John Embry. This would have been, what, early 2000? No, maybe 2010, something like that. I, my, my years are a little mixed up there probably, but two or three year stint, possibly the worst stint in CU football history. So I've got Guys. it right here. Uh, Embry was 11 and 12. Okay, so 2011, 12. Dan Hawkins, uh, 2006 to, to 2010. And I think a lot of people combine those eras. Sure. Uh, Ryan, uh, was it you that was telling me? Someone was telling me. Maybe it was one of our buddies who played there. But he was saying that they pretty much try and erase the Dan Hawkins era from ever happening. It's like they don't like to talk about that era in the in the like inside the building. Yeah. They don't really. It's weird. Uh, they don't invite back a lot of the players who played on those teams for events, things like that. It's a really weird well, situation. It, I, I, it's kind of the beginning of the end. You know, it was kind of the beginning of where we find ourselves now. It was, uh, but I personally, I look at the Mike McIntyre as a different era. Now, it wasn't where we wanted to be. I think he finished last in the Pac-12 South five of the six years he coached here, right? So that's not that's not ideal but at least they were scoring some points and that's the thing even in all those years you look back at their records how they were doing it's like at least they were in every game competitive i know that mcintyre found a way to lose a lot of those games but it's funny the grass is always greener and you always want something more and you always wish for something more but i i don't look at necessarily that as is the down days i mean he went 30 and 44 mcintyre did yeah not ideal but that's that's three and four every seven games not great on paper but but uh intangibly it was different it was a different time he, he had a good staff around him you know and i think that if the recruiting would have been able to take this step up um, right. who knows what mcintyre would have done but so that's where i kind of disagree is i don't think that was the beginning of the end necessarily i think there were a couple sure, good sure. spots in there with mcintyre but i also want to bring up the idea of you know this program because i've been a cu fan for a long time you guys obviously the same uh, a lot of our listeners were born uh, into this a lot of our listeners have moved here and become fans of the buffs but is the problem expectations like should our expectations be that colorado wins seven eight games a year because it seems like every year i go in with these expectations of let's make a bowl game let's make a good bowl game and you know let, let's be competitive but a lot of people outside the state outside of colorado may say you guys are delusional. Look at your record last decade. Why do you have these expectations in the first place? I said the same thing about Nebraska, right? They, they're talking about Urban Meyer. I'm like, who do you think you are? You're going to get these head coaches. <laughs> Maybe they do, but the expectations for the fan base are so off of where they are. It's like, where's the reality? Do Buffs fans need a reality check? And I'm not trying to be negative or anything. I'm just trying to be. Yeah, you're you're, you're putting us on, on blast here, Tyler. Uh, honestly, yeah, I kind of think right now what we're looking at with this coaching staff, with this team, what I'm seeing on the field, man, a lot of things would have to change. A lot of things would have to improve for for the idea of being an above 500 team to feel like the expectation going into next year or th- I mean, we're, we're barely into this year, guys, through the course of uh. this year to be that setting that bar at six wins or more. I just what I'm seeing on the field does not match that, and I think that is probably a bit of uh, of uh, a miss, you know, representation of what our expectations should have been. We saw it last year; it wasn't moving in a good direction, and now it's it's really now that that Carl Durrell has all of his guys in there. They made all the changes in the offseason on the staff, well, seemingly lots yeah. of lots of changes with the transfer portal, everything, and it's not good. Yeah. It's moved in a complete opposite direction. 
I, I don't I honestly guys this maybe this is hyperbole this is going too far I don't know if this team's gonna win a game this year yeah well and and I saw something uh, the other day it was probably on Twitter but um, you don't lose 22 um, of your best athletes on a four and eight football team and get better sure and, and that's a big deal the transfer portal has to flip like we have to have people who want to come to see you I think that my disconnect and a lot of our disconnect comes with the idea that we see schools around the country getting better at a crazy rate and we go okay why can't we repeat that in boulder why the hell is fresno state beating kansas kansas byu why why is byu the last three years have like a seven and three record against the pac-12 why is and i mean i know some of the uh, florida schools florida atlantic south florida i know they're they're in recruiting hotbeds things like that but there's no excuse all across the country we see teams pop up every now and then and that that is my expectation i think that's what a lot of cu's fans expectation should be not necessarily eight wins every year but we want to be competitive Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> that's not too much to ask. And honestly, I believe if the Buffs have won, let's say eight games last year, uh, we won ten games twenty sixteen. Let's say we won eight games twenty fourteen. I think this fan base would be a lot more content, right? It's the constant uh, need for something better, the constant missing on a head coach, the constant missing on recruits, things like that. And it's like we saw what what uh, uh, Bill McCartney did. Okay, I'm not asking for a repeat of that. But you can do that. You can bring talent to Boulder. You can bring talent to Colorado. If you can do it in Lincoln, Nebraska, if you can do it in Michigan, Minnesota, you can do it in Colorado. So I think that's where a lot of the anger comes from. It's not like, oh, well, you know, tough to get players. Not a lot of high school recruits in Colorado. That's ridiculous. And so uh, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, but if you do have the right kind of coach, and we saw some of this with Mel Tucker, you're going to start getting a lot of recruits locally to sign quickly. And I know Colorado's not a hotbed for recruiting, but Colorado has like... Probably seven to 15, four and five stars every year from Creek, Valor. Um, I mean, look at Austin Eckler, who played at Eaton High School. I covered him when I worked in radio. He went as a three star recruit and played at uh, CSU Pueblo and then went to the NFL. You're telling me he wouldn't have been an impact on either CU or CSU? And that's my point is when some of these guys local start signing with the colleges who they should be going to, and if Colorado does a good job of identifying that talent, just like that, overnight, this team could take another two wins up, step up, you know, a couple wins in class, and that's what it's going to take is that kind of coach to keep players here. So I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent, but it just seems like we're we're getting back to those dark days of I know the last couple of years it's been five and seven, five and seven, not good, but this feels like 2006. Yeah, I mean, even though you know four and eight, five and seven, um, it's significantly you have a significantly worse feeling about this team. Yeah. Like at least those teams, you felt like, you know, you go up to Boulder on a Saturday morning that, you know what, that you, that you have a puncher's chance at least. And um, I mean, to be honest with you, like I I was excited for the Minnesota game. I mean, obviously they, they beat the Buffs 30 to nothing last year. And by the midway through the second quarter, I, I was ready to run my errands for the day. And, and that's the thing is I was excited too. And it's the expectation that keeps getting set up every week, and I don't know what it is. It's like it's like I'm I'm this I'm a, I'm such a sicko, you know. I I, I say during the podcast every Tuesday, uh, you know, oh no, no hope. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday come, I know. Oh, I'm getting excited because we're so starved for I know, a win. I know, and, it's, and then Saturday morning hits, I'm going, you know what. You know, if CU can just put together a good first <laughs> yeah. half and I'm talking myself into these ways they can win the game and, you know, it, it, it doesn't come to fruition. So they lose last week uh, 49-7. Am I right there? Yep. 
497, not a whole lot to talk about positively. Uh, let's talk about the quarterback rotation. Carl Durrell went with JT Shroud in the Air Force game. Uh, didn't know what he was going to do for the Minnesota game. Started JT, and things well, one started... Play, one play. One play. Things started I, very I'm, poorly, very quickly. I'm sorry, but JT is getting the heat for that. Deion Smith missed a block. Big time. <sighs> Look... Big time. Uh, that, that was the only guy on the line to block. I'm glad you said that. But not to blame Deion Smith no, 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 either. No, 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 but no. that's just that just goes to show you like the preparation isn't there either. There's so much missing. Okay, now let's just focus on that one play. I agree. Deion Smith missed the block. It looked bad for JT though. Like oh yeah, not a good look. You, you don't want to fumble the ball your first play in there. You know, at least take the sack without fumbling. <laughs> uh, you know, because that's one thing that you want to say you want to work on and. Uh, you mentioned it, Ryan. That's preparation. That that's getting your running backs ready. That's also preparation, getting your quarterback ready. How often do we see in college, NFL, uh, high school football, the drills where you got the coaches trying to knock the ball out of the quarterback's hands? That should be one on one. Okay, so for the first play of the game, JT didn't look ready to get the hit. I agree, it was on Deion Smith to make the block. It's also on JT to be ready for that. But all sure. of it comes back to the coaching staff not doing the small things right. Well, in a general awareness, it was obvious this guy was blitzing off the edge. And sure, you know, as a quarterback, you're expecting your running back to pick it up, but there was no feel from anyone. Nobody yeah. was feeling that at all. And these, this is what a good coach does. I'm not saying Carl Durrell doesn't know football. He probably knows more football. He's probably forgotten more football than we know. But... I was watching the Auburn-Penn State game, and I came away from that game thinking, James Franklin just out-coached Brian Harson. And it was little things like this. When Auburn, when their quarterback would scramble, it was chaos, right? It was, it was chaos. Uh, a lot of the times he would just run for it, just try and pick a receiver out. You know, it, it was chaos. When Penn State would have a broken play and Sean Clifford would roll to the right, it was choreographed. Everyone from the offensive line to every receiver running a route knew exactly what to do. And I'm just like, that's how you gain two or three yards every time you're not supposed to gain any. That's how you how you gain uh, a foot when you're supposed to gain it, when every other team would gain an, gain an inch. And that stuff matters. That's where good coaching magnifies itself. And what we're seeing right now with the Buffs and the Broncos too, if you're a Broncos fan, is the coaching not showing up on the field on, on on what we expect to see going out there for you know punts and kicks and and and, and uh, not jumping off on 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 you know uh, on counts and and making sure everyone's on the same page. I mean, these are simple things, right? And then it's the other things like making sure your quarterback knows you know to be aware of pressure, making sure the running backs know where to where to block on the offensive line. I don't want to put everything on Darrell. But we've often talked about it's on the head coach to put a staff around him. And in college football, when you have limited time every week with these players, you have to start pointing fingers at the coach and the coaching staff and saying, these players are not ready to play. They are not put in the right position. And Jared and I talked about this last week. Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on this. How do you think this roster is in terms of talent? If we had Nick Saban here, if Nick Saban came to Boulder, didn't bring any recruits, didn't bring any, you know, Everything was the exact same, except we just flipped Saban and Carl Durrell and then started the season over. How many wins do you think the Buffs would have? Um, I'd probably put them in about the six to eight range. Yeah, um, we, I said last week eight or nine. Yeah, so it, it, the big thing, too, is like you said, um, players get this rating of stars, two, three, four, five star athletes. You know, you can have a two star athlete out of high school that comes in and, and plays like a five star athlete. But it's it's when when you're down in the dumps constantly, like the buffs have been. There's no there's no um, effort. I guess it's so much easier to to um, take a playoff if you're you know 
0-3 on the year, you know, and, and you could feel it when, when Trout fumbled that ball. You, they might as well have just packed their stuff up and, and went everybody home. Everybody went, oh, here we go again. Yep. Yep. And, exactly. and and that was that. Was that. They, they, they lost the game from the first snap. In the NFL, I would say it's, it's on the players. Yep. Get it. In college, it's on the coach. You got to rally the troops. You've got to make sure you know, hey, we may be losing, but we're going in the right direction. And I hear all this stuff from Carl Durrell saying, you know, I love their attitude. Just wish it'd show up on the field. It's like, I don't love the attitude. Yeah. I'm not, so what attitude are you seeing, Carl Durrell, that, that showed me? Maybe he loves it because they're mirroring his attitude. Well, and right. that's honestly uh, an indictment on this team and on this the, their preparedness for a game. If your attitude is great in practice day in and day out, that's easy to do. I'm just showing up and having fun and playing football. When it comes to game day and all of a sudden you get punched in the mouth and your attitude immediately turns the other way, that that's a, an indictment on this team as a whole. Right. If you cannot keep that same attitude that is supposedly there during the week when you get to game day, that's when you should be getting up for the game. Right. That's when you get punched in the mouth and you should want to hit him back twice as hard. You should want to make that play. Be that guy that goes, you know what? We're down, but if we can make a play, if I can make a play here, we can turn this around. And and you're just not seeing that, right? And to that point, I don't I don't know if you guys have noticed. Have you ever when when the camera shows Carl Durrell on the sidelines? Have you ever seen him say anything to anybody? No, I told Jared this last week. Uh, they could put a mannequin with with a CU yeah, hat on out that's there. That's a good call. And unless they put the camera on his eyes and you could tell he wasn't blinking, yeah. he would have no idea. Well, and like, like I, he doesn't say anything to the. I don't see him say anything to the players. I'm not seeing him talk to the other coaches on the coaching staff. Talk to the water guy. I, I don't care. Say something. Right. Like get get on these guys' butts. Try to get him motivated. Do something. Like it, like like we we talked about how bad the Embry era it was. That the John Embry era was the complete and polar opposite of what we're seeing now. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just need some. I need a little emotion, a little want out of my head coach. And and I do, I do think that goes back. They they go hand in hand there. When your team is showing a lack of energy and emotion, and your coach on the sidelines is showing the same thing, the mannequin pose all the time. <laughs> where do you think that comes from? Why is that a surprise to Darrell and this coaching staff when the guys don't have the energy and the emotion when nobody within this coaching staff is showing that? Uh. So, I mean, change is needed, right? We need to get rid of Darrell ASAP. Yeah, we uh, we we said a lot of things about Darren Cheverini last year that oh I regret. Oh, my God. And how funny <laughs> is that? It's like, yeah, yeah, once we get rid of the offensive coordinator, everything's going to be better. Oh, we, okay. we, we found out who the Mad Hatter of this tea party was. I mean, I mean, just to Durrell. be clear, I was calling for Darrell's head as well as Cheverini's, <laughs> just, just to put that out there. Carl Darrell has come in and, and done an assassination job on this program. Yep. When he leaves, inevitably this year, he will have come in gutted this program from the inside out. What he did is fired last year in Chivarini, the best recruiter we had. The only good thing the Buffs had going yeah, for them, that's a good the point. only ability to get players here, gone. Because Carl Durrell needed someone to point the finger at, right? right. And as we... The one thing Carl Durrell's always been great at as head coach. I will accuse him of not being prepared and being lack of emotion. One thing Carl Durrell's always been great at is blaming other people, right? Last year, what did we hear? Well, it was players, the players, the players, the players. Uh, you know what I love hearing a coach say? This one's on me. You know, I got to get these guys ready. It's on me. Carl Durrell's never said that. And this is coming <laughs> off a year where in 2020, he won the Pac-12 Coach of the Year Award. So it's not like he's on the hot seat last year. 
He came into last year immediately pointing fingers at the players, blaming Nate Landman and blaming Carson Wells. It's like, hold on, buddy. Hold on a second. You're... Are you sure you want to go there? But that's a very tough place to go because you can't undo that. You can't unring that bell. And then blamed everyone this year. It's like, that's one thing he's always been good. Oh, he fired Chivarini, right? He's always wanted to point the fingers away from him. He seems very sensitive to me. He doesn't seem like the leader that you want saying, hey, no big deal. Remember this year, Jared, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Jared made a point of, of, of noting that he was like sticking to this whole two quarterback system. It's like, oh, no, I, well, how come, Darrell? Well, that's because what I said. I don't want to look like an idiot. That's what I said. I'm sticking to it. It's like, that's not the strength you want in a leader. That's not the strength you want in a head coach. So I'm not seeing anything that that is is making me want to, you know, uh, this guy to stick around at all. The only thing this comes back to is money. And it's not my money, so I really don't care. That's why I love, like, sometimes when people, uh, you know, they'll bitch about, like, the Av ah, spending money on McKinnon or the Broncos. It's like, it's not your money. What do you care about that? Right. You know, but it's an $8.7 million buyout. So the Buffs have to pay him $8.7 million. I think, and then it, pay I, a I think it's right around $7.8 for what he's already been paid this year. But so, yeah. so taking away yeah, yeah, what he's already right. been paid, um, that's a big number. And, and right. it's a big number for a program that hasn't shown a, a desire to spend money on football lately. Well, and you want to see something. I know we talk, being CU fans, we talk a lot of trash about Nebraska and how much we hate them. And we do. But Scott Frost's buyout was $15 million when they fired, fired them. If they would have waited till October 1st, it was $7.5 Which is only two weeks different from when they fired that show him. That shows you a, a program that's down, and not even as down as CU is, they say, we need to fix this right now. And they did it to a tune of seven and a half million more dollars. And it's it the, did not work out, by the way, for now. Well, I mean, they it's came out see hot. That. Well, it doesn't matter, though. It's what you see. And it's the change in the program. You can't. Sorry, I had to kick them at least one time. OK, just at least one time in this episode. But look what happened with uh, the buffs when they when Mel Tucker left too late. The way you get ahead of that is you fire your coach early. And now you're one of the first you know, teams in the pool. And, also, and especially if, you know, when it comes to recruiting and things like that, if you know, a lot of times what you see when a, a mid-season head coaching change is made, you see kind of a little bit of a renewed energy within the program. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there. If I'm, if I'm the, the higher-ups for CU, the guy, there, there's one clear name that I'm putting in charge of this program if and when Kyle Dryle is fired, and that's Darian Hagan. He's a guy that bleeds black and gold. He's been around this program for a long time. He's well-respected, and I think he could get this – as an interim, I'm not saying your long-term future coach, but as a guy to finish out the season, I think he can kind of bring things back together and maybe sort of bring a semblance of some unity moving forward. That's huge for recruits, for recruiting your guys on your roster currently. This, this will potentially be the third head coach a lot of these guys will have to play for. So... That that's a concern. Those are all the reasons why not to fire a coach. But I think a lot of times making that move, like you guys mentioned early, gives you the options of all of the head coaches that are out there. Also, could potentially save your recruiting well, class moving forward. I, I think we're there. I, I think that most fans are there, ready to move on. We're there. Is Rick George there? Well, he he tweeted something very poignant this week. He said, "Hey, hey, hey, Buffs fans! I understand we should be doing better. Go Buffs!" That's pretty much what his statement we, said. Right? Yeah. All I could think of is the, the South Park episode where he goes, 
We're sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. I know. I I, I, I saw that uh, little statement from old old Rick George, and first thing I did is I call, I texted my dad and I said, "There's not enough lipstick in the world to put on this." Pig. I know, but that's what. And the reason he did that is because he can feel the anger around his program. Yeah, yeah. Everyone he's he's the one media. that has to walk around to all the donors, and I mean, I see him walking around tailgating all the time. Uh, going and shaking hands and schmoozing people. Um, you know, I met him once at the airport. Really? If I met him during this, I certainly would have gotten arrested. <laughs> he, he always stops by our, our tailgate. Uh, one of the guys we tailgate with is a, is a huge, huge donor. And um, yeah, he's, he's I tell you what, he's having a lot of fun walking around in the parking lots on Saturdays. I can tell uh, you that. Uh, donors, um, uh, regents, you know, th- this uh, alums, boosters. I shouldn't have thrown regents in there. It's more donors, alums, boosters. Uh, they're getting pissed off. And I saw this tweet earlier this week. This is from uh, Chris Fusilier. 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 Uh, I think he's the owner of Blake Street uh, Tavern. Yeah, yeah he Street is. Tavern, yep. um, I actually, I, I, I didn't follow him or anything like that. I maybe need to pay more attention to what he's doing. And, and I know they like to support the program a lot in, our, in terms of advertising and things like that. I know he's been been big in the NIL uh, dealings yeah. this first year. Yeah, this, this it's it's kind of like the... Uh, the um, the the Buffs bar yeah. in Denver. This is what the Buffs need. It's more support like this, more people like this. He tweeted earlier today. Um, I actually just liked it. Uh, it says Buff Nation, which... Is it Buff Nation or Buffs Nation? Like, are we going to have to change the name of the podcast to Buff Nation? Well, the podcast is Buffs Nation. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> but when we started this, we're like... I remember having the conversation. It's like, wait, is it Buff Nation or well, Buffs it's, Nation? It's more than one buffalo on That's the That's what I thought. Right? I'm always They're saying, buffs. isn't it Buffs Nation? Like, shouldn't that be what it is? They're but not a solo I animal. <laughs> I know, right? It's not like... like it's not Bronco it's country. It's buffaloes. Broncos country, right? Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I don't get it. But anyway, we're going to have to maybe put that in the workshop here coming up soon. <laughs> but anyway, he goes, uh, Buff Nation, boycotting games... It, boycotting games is not the solution to venting your frustration. Our players work their tails off for us fans. To affect change, messages need to be sent to CU's president and regents. Many alums slash boosters are mobilizing. Stay tuned. This is good news because someone out there is doing something, right? Every, this, I think everyone's in this together, right? Our job is to bring attention to uh, the several thousand fans who listen to this show, right? And, and bring our point of view. It's their job to bring uh, the pressure from the from the alums, the boosters, the ones supporting the school with this money. And if everyone does their job, this is how change happens. And this is what a lot of the fans that I don't think get the picture on social media, this is what they push back at, right? You'll see a lot of people go, uh, support the students. How dare you say anything bad about the students? It's like, well, first of all, that's what good fan bases do. They they expect greatness, you know, or at least positivity and change. But second of all, most of the negativity really hasn't been directed at the fa- at the players as much. Oh, no. as the coaching staff. Right, right. As we just said, if Nick Saban comes in here, maybe they'll win eight games or so. What that's another way of saying is, yeah, we have the roster. We're under exceeding expectations because of the coaching staff around these players. So. I just wanted to bring that up. That I like. What is it, Chris? Uh, Fusilier. I like Fusilier. Or a Fusilier. Fusilier. You think Fusilier, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great episode. Fusilier. One in a million, Doc. One in a million. <laughs> uh, it's a Seinfeld for all of you. For anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about. And then uh, George goes. Uh, he goes. Uh, Why Fusilier? And he goes. I try and figure. I try and find a pasta that captures the personality. Why Fusilier for Jerry? because he's silly and he goes i'm making with you george next i'm using ravioli <laughs> uh but uh, anyway that's what we need is more more of that and, and you like uh chris bringing the attention there 
And uh, that's exactly what it's going to take for change to happen. If everyone sits around, not not doing anything, you really think Rick George is going to have any incentive to pay $8 million and, and turn the page? I don't think so. Well, one of the other things that I've seen somebody uh, post on Twitter was kind of related say, along the same lines that like not showing up to games doesn't send the message that you want to the... I mean, that's $8 million needs to be paid to get him out. If they're looking at a stadium empty going, well, we're not making money off this program anyways, why invest in this buyout? Whereas if it's a sold-out stadium and people are not happy with the performance, but they're going, man, people are showing up, they care about this team, they want to see this team win, maybe it's a little bit more of an incentive for this this uh, program to make a change. Are, uh, are you going this weekend? I am not. Okay. Uh, I got a little anniversary thing this weekend. Five-year anniversary. Little anniversary wife, thing. So, I am going know. this weekend. I'm driving up. And uh, <sighs> it's a commitment because you're. I'm missing a lot. There's a lot of good games. And, and right. I live in the... Uh, I live in like the South Glen area. So it's, a, it's about an hour drive to Boulder. On game day, it's about an hour, 20 minutes. And I like to park about 11. So I'm getting to the stadium like 11, 15, 11, 20. There for Ralphie and all that. So, I mean... We're talking about, I'm going to leave here about, you know, maybe 9.15 or uh, 9.45, 10. And then assuming it's a good game and I stay for the whole thing, you know, ends what, 3.30, getting back home, maybe about 5 after everything. That's that's a whole day. And I, I have no issue. There's a reason why I have season tickets. But if the buffs are down 28 nothing early, it's going to be like... It's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, are you going, Ryan? Um, I'm still kind of up in the air. I know um, we've said it on this podcast before. Uh, I actually share tickets with Jared yeah. um, and two other people, and um, I'm going to give it – I'm going to let them have first crack at it if they want it. Um, the thing that's hard is, is uh, you, you know, I already paid for them. That's the, <laughs> that's, right? that's the thing. Like, like I might as well. Like, and, and I get to, you know, I get to see my dad and my uncles and, and all my family usually goes. So it's still, I mean, I may go up and just stay in the parking lot the entire time. <laughs> well, it, but, but I mean, it, it is kind of telling. And like my, my personal situation here in years past, I have dragged my wife out to see you football games. She's not a football fan. She doesn't watch it. <laughs> but that was like, no, babe, I got I got season tickets. I am going to this game. When this came up, situation came up, we had an opportunity to do something Saturday. I was like, you know what? It's cool. I'll miss the game. It does make you it know? easier to say I, I, that. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's sad. I hate that. It actually digs at me. Like, it eats at me that I feel that way. But yeah. it was a pretty easy decision for me to be like, you know what? I'll miss this But one. that's what happens. Like, when we explain it this way and you literally take up, you know, your, your, your day, you're gone 10 to 7, you have to make that decision. It's And, I mean, I've had that conversation with my mom and, and a lot of the listeners know my family, it's a sentimental thing. If it weren't sentimental, we probably wouldn't have renewed up to this point. The reason why we've kept these seats is because my, my my grandpa got them in like the mid sixties. Yeah, <laughs> had them for decades upon decades. Do you get grandfathered in on your price? Or yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's yeah, it's it's the old price. I'm gonna have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure it is. But that's the thing is, if it weren't for the sentimental value, which makes it all the more emotionally tough, because Absolutely. every year I have to have the conversation with my mom of do we renew tickets, and and, and most of the time it ends up as. You know, uh, Jack got him. We, of course, want to do that. Keep, you know, keep going back to the same seats we've had forever. But I just feel like if things don't change one of these years, the answer is going to be no. For whatever sentimental stuff we're throwing out the window, 
if stuff doesn't change, and it's it's funny because I'm going, am I am I serious about that? Is this some empty threat that I'm just going to keep yelling to the to the wall because no one seems to care? You know, and you, you tell the people about because it's usually a younger person who calls every year. Maybe they're a student or maybe they work in the office, but it's usually a younger person who calls. And I, and I feel like every time every year when we go. Yeah, but the product and this, that, they go, yeah, I mean, you want them or not, sir, right? Isn't that how you feel like they, they treat you? So it's just like if, if one of these years, I'm going to say, no, I don't freaking want these tickets anymore, you know? Yeah. You're going to have to start going infomercial style like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's already, you know, we're three weeks into the season and it's being... That uh, that whole narrative is being thrown around my parents' house, yeah. and it happens, you know. And I work for the university, right. so like, and don't th- and you have tickets included. I don't pay for parking. You don't think they're gonna make parking any cheaper because the buffs are in three? Ooh. No chance. If anything, it's gonna no, go. Well, up you know what? Bucks. I already paid for that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, we usually. I like to park. Uh, so you turn on to. Uh, Folsom from Colorado. Tyler, I'm going to stop you here, though. Are you talking about any sort of illegal parking? No, 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 no. Okay, it's legit. All right, just I go up sure. there, and it's uh, it's it's the big long line that that's right next to the stadium, and you turn left at that one light right right across from Folsom, and I park in that uh, garage. Um, the only it's usually good. The only time I've ever had issues was during it was a game last year. The A and M game was in Boulder, so it was a oh, it was the Minnesota game mm. because Minnesota showed up. I mean, they had a lot of fans yeah. here. Uh, it was full, so I had to park on the other side of the sta- the campus for that game. <laughs> but usually, that's where I park. But it's like uh, it's like twenty five, thirty bucks. Yeah, I mean, you know, so so you're talking after a full day of. It's like it, it does become. You know, for years the bus were getting that Pac-12 after dark game, that eight eight p.m. nine p.m. start, and we hated it. Yeah. And and it does. It's rough coming back from Boulder at midnight, one o'clock, whatever it is. But. As far as for those of us who are college football fans who enjoy watching the other games, kind of nice to be able to tune in throughout the day to the rest of what's going on in college football. No, it is. And uh, for the uh, TCU game, I actually ended up getting a hotel. It kind of oh, close yeah, up right. there. So, yeah. Another thing I've, I'm just like, I could have left at halftime. Yeah. Could have left at halftime. All right. Uh, let's turn the page. Look ahead to next week. Uh, the UCLA game is at noon. If you're going, wear gold. It's a gold rush, as they're calling it. Uh, let's preview this game. I you can't see, ever remember a time they've done a gold rush. There's is, gold up in them is that, hills. Is that a new yeah. thing, or am I just naive to this? Well, the student section a, a couple years ago did a gold rush, but I don't think it was the whole fan base. I don't have much gold. I know. Right? I was like, I got a bunch of black and white. I don't know, and gray. I don't have any gold. You know why they do this? They're, that's what they're thinking. They're Sell like, some huh, merch. Nobody's got anything gold. They're going to buy a <laughs> bunch of CU merchandise for this. Right. Uh, all right. So, uh, CU, UCLA. Uh, UCLA, we've seen them a couple times. They still have quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It seems like he's entering his 27th year at UCLA. Uh, they are 3-0. and They beat uh, Bowling Green 45-17 week one. Alcorn State 45-7 week two. And South Alabama 32-31 last week. So you could argue... Could you argue this is the toughest matchup they've had so far? Bowling Green's actually well, probably better I than the Bucs. Doubt hey, it. they barely yeah. snuck by South Alabama well, at home. South Alabama shot themselves in the foot by a bumbled trick play that got UCLA back in it. Ooh. Oh, geez. Yeah, well, I was going to say the Buffs are the best team they've seen. I'm not sure that's the case so far. Yeah, I don't know. Real quick, I don't know if you saw the updated power rankings, but we're not officially the worst team in the nation. That belongs to the Rammies. Oh, <laughs> we're the third worst. <laughs> oh, wow. It, Boy, the year that we don't play CSU. I would have loved to just be <laughs> yeah, right? for no one kidding. game. <laughs> Give us one, man. Uh, so UCLA, uh, 45, 45, and 32. They've scored. 
giving up 17-7 and 31. Uh, statistically, they look a lot like UCLA uh, has looked the last couple of years. Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, on the ground, 14 carries, 114 yards. He's thrown the ball 84 times, 73% completion percentage, six touchdowns, one interception for their quarterback. When you look back at uh, Thompson-Robinson as a freshman, if he, he's, a, he's a four-year starter now uh, as a freshman, Compared to now, he has improved dramatically oh, yeah. as a passer, and I for think sure. he's a guy that is actually a threat in a, in the passing game that you got to really watch out for. Well, and if you remember last couple of seasons, UCLA has used Orion Thompson Robinson as the primary rusher. Uh, this year, Zach Charbonnet and uh, Keegan Jones pretty much split in the carries. They both have 34 rushes, kind of the one-two punch for UCLA. And as I said, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 14 attempts. So he's really scaled back uh, the need to rush, but when he does rush, he's effective. 8.1 yards per rush for the quarterback. For the rest of the team, over five yards of carry. And we know that's where CU has struggled. So obvious key to the game Colorado has to stop the run. If they're going to stay in this thing, if they're not going to let UCLA pull away, I know it sounds crazy, but stopping the run has to be first and foremost. Now, I know getting burned on the back end, these long plays have have uh, killed CU in the past against these vertical offenses. But guys, I'm saying the, the number one thing for this defense this week has to be focusing on stopping the run. If they can't do that, it's going to be a long game. Everything else is going to open up. So that's what I have to say for this defense. Front seven are big. Stop the run. Plug those holes up. I think that's got to be the main thing for this buff. So defense, at least, coming up this weekend. Well, and we know Chip Kelly loves to play with a fast pace. He likes to get a lot of plays. What can slow that down is getting tackles in the backfield, early downs, you know, stopping them for one and two yard gains. All of a sudden, they're in third and eight. It kind of forces them to slow down their offense a little bit. They can't just keep going aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. So I think that ties into what you're talking about and shutting down that run. But I think early downs, you really got to be productive on early downs. Put them in long down and distance and third down. Because if it's third and short, then it just opens up the whole play- playbook to them. Yeah, and uh, earlier in the show we were talking about um, expectations. And I think right now I'm at a point where my only expectation is for the defense's benefit – not even to score points, but the offense needs to sustain a drive. Yeah, yeah. They had six minutes off the field in the first half against Minnesota. That's absurd. And that's where this team needs to help themselves out. Offense helps defense, special teams in there. And, and Colorado's not doing anything right right now. But you're right, Ryan. We're kind of starting off talking about the defense. But the most important thing for this defense is not There's to be on help. the field. <laughs> exactly. I mean, my God, you got to get them off a little bit. Um, and so that is a big key, right? Time of possession is going to be big this game. We've said that the last three weeks hasn't worked out so far, but you figure if you go on the road, it's certainly important this week. Or excuse me, when you come back home, it's certainly in the, uh, important this week when you get a UCLA team for their first game on the road. Uh, defensively, I think what Jared said is so true, the first and second down thing, because you look at UCLA stats, UCLA is a top 25 team in protecting their quarterback on standard downs. But... When it comes to clear passing situations, UCLA drops all the way to 83rd. Think about that. They're a top 25 team on first, second down, or third down when it's not obvious passing situation. When it goes to like third and eight, third and nine, third and 10, they drop down to 83rd in the country for giving up sacks. So that's how Colorado is going to find success here. Stop them on first and second down, put Dorian Thompson Robinson in a throw, an obvious throwing situation, and then blitz off the outside. We haven't seen CU be able to get to the quarterback this year, so I'm not sure, I'm not totally confident in that, but that's the key here. That's what Colorado has to do to put UCLA in a bad spot. A lot easier said than done, probably, but defensively, watch for the buffs early, first and second down, 
to stuff that run, stop the run, and put them in passing situations. So I think that's about as far as it goes for the defense. Offensively, though, let's get back to what Ryan said, staying on the field. I'm not so sure that means a heavy rush attack. Usually, especially with the buffs, what we talked about in the past is if you're going to win time of possession, you have to run the football. I don't think that's the case here. I think whoever's going to be a quarterback, which I'm assuming we're going to see both of them, JT and Brendan, I'm not so sure. But you have to do what you can to, I think, get the short passes going, right? Pull a Russell Wilson. For God's sakes, check down, check down, check down. I don't care. That's the Brendan Lewis special. Fine. Call a bunch of plays (laughs) to go into that. But you have to get the ball to the outside against UCLA. You can't just go line up, run between the tackles. And I know UCLA has that team defense, but look, or that, that defensive speed. But we have underrated offensive speed also. So if you get these quarterback or get these running backs the ball from passing uh, passing plays, you call some screens, call some tunnel screens. I think the short pass, the West Coast pass, is going to be super important in this game for the Buffs. And again, I'm, this is just what it's going to take. I'm not saying that we're, we should expect it or we should see it, but this is what it's going to take, in my opinion, to beat UCLA. Defensively, we talked about that. Offensively, I think short passes converting on third down is going to be so big for this game. I actually do think the running back is running game is huge for the buffs this, this week. And it's, it's a, a, a commitment to the run. You look last week, Deion Smith was averaging seven yards a carry, but only got 10 carries. You know, obviously you go down big early. That's easy for you to go. Oh, we got to start passing to catch up to him. Early on in the game, you should not have that mindset. If the buffs go down in this game, don't give up on running the ball. That is where they're going to be most successful. That is probably their only chance, but in my opinion, of success. The reason why I said the the, the pass is, is I, I think the game plan right now to stop CU is so obvious. You load the box, sure. make the quarterback beat you. So I'm pretty confident we're going to see that. We're going to see eight in the box. Sure. Therefore, right, that's why I think the quarterback, whoever it is, has to get going with the short passes. There's one way to stop CU. You plug those lines up, make them beat you through the air. That's why I say that, Jared. Is I, I just think it's going to be easier said than done. Like uh, Clearly, it'd be great if, if Lewis and Fondo could get going. I just don't think we're going to get that opportunity. On that note, let's get some... some we're 25% of the way through the season. Let's get some grades for the running back room. How do we judge the running back room right now? Like, what do we think of JL Stacks? What do we think of Alex Fontenot? What do we think of, of Deion Smith? Are they... Uh, performing to where we think they should be? Because right now, the way I see it, Deion Smith is kind of head and shoulders above where we thought they, that he should be. Fontenot's falling back a little bit. Yeah, he's been a little underwhelming, if you ask but me. You, and he you didn't go back play a couple in this years, last game. But look how, look how reliable Alex Fontenot was when he was healthy a few years ago. I'm wondering where that guy is. Yeah. Well, and again, he did miss this Minnesota game. I'm not exactly sure what the injury was. I didn't, but I didn't it's, see it either. It's possible that maybe he's been dealing with a little bit of a lingering in- injury because he just doesn't have the explosiveness that we've seen in the past. And this could be a combination. This is a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries over the last couple of years, and he may have just lost a step coming back from those injuries. Could that's, be. We that's, don't. that's tough to do. And I don't, I don't want to assume anything. Let's hope he gets back on the field and healthy. But I will absolutely say that Deion Smith has been the standout and Alex Fontenot has kind of disappointed. Jail Stacks to me is, I, I don't know, it's, it's almost kind of gimmicky if, if i'm being honest that they're they're putting this big 230 pound guy there it's like this is a fullback that you're trying to dress up as a running back call him what he is and utilize him in a in a way that you can get mismatches because in the right situation lined up as a fullback he could absolutely create mismatches for you in the passing game in the running game but trying to line him up eight yards deep as a tailback to me seems like a, a misfit yeah as far as the running 
Excuse me. As far as the running backs go for me, um, I agree with you, Tyler. Uh, I think uh, Deion Smith's stock is is rising and Fontenot's uh, uh, declining a little bit. But um, I, I honestly just – it's hard for me – when you ask that question, it's hard for me to really – to really give you an honest answer because I don't think they've committed to the run enough. You look at the TCU game, they only – Brendan Lewis had the most rushing attempts on your team at eight. Yeah, that, that's not going to work. Eight. Yeah. And then, like you said just, just a second ago, Jared, they only gave Deion Smith the ball eight times. Like, commit to the run. And I understand that you're down early. Last week you were down two scores within the first five minutes of the game, it yeah. felt like. That, so. that, that is a big part of it. They get down it. But I think a commitment to the running game, regardless of if you're down 14 – has to be part of this offense and the mistakes. I mean, that's the last thing that I want to wrap the show up with. It's the clear mistakes. I mean, there have been so many errors and I, I'm not just talking about false starts and getting the right players on the field. And I mean, I'm talking about the, the, the fumbles and the early, I mean, both games the last couple of weeks, yourself. it's been first play fumbles, yep. right? It has been so bad. And UCLA is to, will take advantage of that. They have uh, a plus turnover margin so far. They've got three fumble recoveries, three interceptions, six sacks. Like, this is a defense that will take advantage if you give them a window, and CU has given nothing but windows. I mean, CU is a like a, like a Vegas room top to bottom where the whole thing's a window. That's CU. They just give they're windows. the garage doors that just fully open. <laughs> no, they're like a they're like a uh, a company that sells pianos. It's just all windows, the whole so window. you can see yeah, exactly. <laughs> no windows this game. Okay, don't give you don't give it to UCLA if you're gonna lose. I'm, it's funny the, where I've come this year. I'm like, fine, lose. Just don't. Just don't give it to him. Exactly. Just make I know. I joked about the uh, the the uh, moral victory a few weeks back, and boy, how oh, good that would feel. A moral right victory would be awesome at this point in the season. My God! Right, right now I'm celebrating when we win the coin no toss. Kidding. All right, but hey, I gotta say this: come Saturday morning again, I know I'm gonna be right back there. I yeah. know I'm gonna pick CU to win it. I know I'm gonna be excited for we're CU. Sick and, human beings. Yeah, it's because if I'm driving up and going to the game, I'm gonna say, you know what? There's a way they're gonna win this. So let's give some scores. Uh, I'm gonna be unrealistic i'm gonna do it i I know that this is gonna sound laughable to everyone out there and i know i may lose some credibility that's why i'm prefacing this with i get it may sound ridiculous but my fandom has to come out at some point and i'm gonna be cheering for him i'm gonna be decked out my buff skier i'm gonna be yelling from row 81 way up there i'm gonna say they muddy this thing up because they're not i don't think the buffs win a shootout like 34 31 i think they have to muddy this up i'm gonna go 16 13 Okay, a touchdown, and what would that be? Three field goals. Uh, so we're going Buffs win 16-13. Bad, you know, uh, 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 ugly game. Defense shows up, turnovers. But let's go Buffs. I didn't think it away with a low scoring one. And I thought I was being a little optimistic <laughs> with my score prediction. Let's okay. go Buffs! Um, I think the Buffs put up their best offensive performance of the year and unfortunately still fall well short. Uh, I, I am going to take uh, UCLA 31-17. to 17. I think that uh, it may be a little bit of a game, hopefully, through at least the first half, but I, I just think that the way this offense is going for, for UCLA under Chip Kelly, it's going to be tough for the Buffs. They're going to be on the field a lot. A lot of plays for UCLA. I just don't see a way that the Buffs can keep up with this offense. Ryan, what do you think? Prediction time? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's not going to be good, and I think they're going to get boat raced. Um, UCLA, they're a veteran team, have a veteran quarterback. Chip Kelly's a good coach, knows how to draw it up in the sand. Um, and unfortunately, I think, I think the Buffs start out 
well and uh in that like you know the first 15 scripted plays but uh i think they they lose they they run out of gas and uh i'm gonna go ucla 42 to 7 oh boy 40, <laughs> 42 7 i mean the spread's 21 so that, that's not a meeting expectations hey, at all sorry I'm God, not- you guys are lame <laughs> yeah you guys may be more realistic than me but i'm wearing the black and gold uh i'm going all in so that's how it goes sometimes when you bleed black and gold which if that's a medical condition i gotta get checked out but uh <laughs> that's what happens so all right let's go buffs let's hope they show up this weekend remember noon on saturday wear gold let's hope the buffs get one against ucla so let's go buffaloes get a big win this weekend we'll talk to everyone next week on the buffs nation podcast